Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Joe Byron, the CTO of IoT technology at PTC, where he oversees product strategy and technical architecture of the core ThingWorks IoT platform. To give you a little insight into PTC, for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, PTC is focused on helping companies around the world reinvent the way they design, manufacture, operate, and service products in and for a smart connected world. To talk a little bit more about ThingWorks, ThingWorks is an end-to-end technology platform which is designed for the industrial IoT. It delivers tools and technologies that empower businesses to rapidly deploy and develop powerful applications and augmented reality experiences. So when companies use ThingWorks, they're able to build smart connected products, operation, and software to create powerful IoT solutions that can quickly transform their business. Now on this episode, Joe shares his thoughts on future-proofing IoT initiatives, creating an end-to-end industrial IoT platform, and who to partner with along the way. And he also gets into talking about the intersection of IoT and other bleeding-edge technologies like AI and AR. Now, as with every other episode, if you are interested in getting a further breakdown of the topics discussed or when they are discussed throughout the episode, please refer to the show notes and descriptions. I thought this conversation was fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to Joe about all the topics that we cover on this episode, and I think you'll find a lot of value in it. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Joe Byron, CTO of Internet of Things Technologies at PTC. Welcome, Joe, to the IoT for All show. How's your week going so far? Hey, Ryan. Uh, it's going great so far. It's only Tuesday. I hope for some more greatness for the rest of the week. <laughs> Very good. Um, I think, you know, one of the ways I'd like to start this episode off, which we kind of do with most of our guests, is to have you introduce yourself to the audience, uh, give a little bit of background, anything you think is relevant to talk about uh, your experiences in the IoT space and how you got into um, working at PTC. Yeah, sure. So I guess it goes back to 2007. So coming up on 13, 13 years ago, I started at a company uh, called Exceda. And Exceda was building solutions for equipment manufacturers who wanted to remotely monitor, diagnose, and service their equipment, as they very commonly sold <clears throat> services contracts to those customers. And this, this is equipment of the likes of radiation therapy machines in hospitals or industrial pumps in industrial settings like manufacturing or wastewater treatment uh, or big IT equipment in data centers. So it wasn't called IoT back then in 2007. That term was coined some years later, Uh, but it was absolutely remote connectivity, remote diagnostics, and so forth. And so my time at Exceda, uh, during that time, I transitioned from professional services where I helped customers implement the technology and that implementation covered helping them source hardware for sensors and communication gateways and, and of course, configuring and extending our software. In 2014, PTC acquired Exceda. So that's how I gotcha. became part of uh, PTC. <clears throat> and PTC is a software vendor that serves product manufacturers. So everything about the life cycle of engineering, designing, manufacturing, and then servicing products. Um, that's what we deliver for our customers. So the IoT uh, paradigm really helps bridge the gap that we had in once our customers produced 
their goods from a discrete manufacturing operation. And those products went into their service at their customer sites. Our customers, the product OEM, didn't have a link to help those customers with the operation, the remote monitoring, and really help with the life cycle. So we really feel that IoT helped PTC complete that end-to-end product lifecycle management uh, vision that we had always had for our customers and now can finally deliver. Gotcha. So at P- and at PTC, just briefly, I'm, sure. uh, I serve really two two roles in a dual function. I'm the CTO of IoT. That means across PTC's portfolio, I look after our technology strategy and how we use, I'll just say, quote unquote, IoT technology. But I'm also the general manager of our ThingWorks IoT platform business and our Kepware connectivity business. Okay. Talk a little bit more about ThingWorks. I know it's it's obviously a pretty big name in the space. Um, anyone who's ever searched for an IoT platform has probably come across it. Um, can you just give a quick high-level overview of the ThingWorks platform and its, I guess, focus from an industry standpoint? Like, is it more industrial IoT focused or kind of, you know, where are you seeing the most, um, I guess, engagement from customers? Sure. So first, let me cover the what, what we mean by industrial IoT. And right. I think I speak on behalf of the, I'll call it the IoT industry, uh, not to overuse the word industry. <laughs> um, but there are smart appliances in your home. They're in my home. Of course, I'm an early adopter for this stuff. Smart thermostats, smart garage door opener. Love all that stuff. Let's call that category consumer IoT. Okay. Where you can buy something at Best Buy or on Amazon.com, right. use it in your home, a consumer appliance, and it's smarter and it does its core function better because it's connected. You can interact with it with your smartphone. Mm-hmm. You can interact with other devices in your home. Love that stuff. It's great. Our customers, for the most part, build products that are used in more professional environments. Mm -hmm. And I'll hesitate to use the word industrial here, even though this is describing industrial IoT. But I would say that a radiation therapy machine in a clinic is a industrial piece of equipment. Okay, Um, It's not dirty. It's not smoky. It doesn't have grease and and, uh, and soot on it, Mm -hmm. for for sure. But for me, the, the difference maker is it's mission criticality. Okay. That radiation therapy machine in the in the clinic, we want it to be operating at its peak condition. We want to make sure that it's, it is up and available for when cancer patients visit the clinic for their life-saving therapy. Gotcha. So that's an example of mission criticality. Okay. An industrial pump that's used in a wastewater treatment facility, if that pump is down, it means your municipality is not properly treating its wastewater. And guess what happens? It goes into rivers and reservoirs. Mission critical stuff. Okay. We want to keep the planet running the way it's supposed to. That's industrial IoT. Okay. So are there, I guess, from an, uh, a use case perspective, are there areas or application perspective, are there areas that you guys really don't focus so much in? Like, let's get, let's not talk about consumer, but thinking about enterprise IoT, so it's like asset tracking um, solutions. Are you guys kind of working in that space as well? Or is it really the focus on kind of those mission critical um, solutions that you were talking about a second ago? Well, for and by the way, I just recall I didn't really touch upon one part of your last question. So let me start there and then and then bleed sure. into the answer for your, your your most recent question. ThingWorks is really positioned for 
connectivity to industrial protocols and the types of languages that these kinds of machines commonly speak. Some of them are standards and some of them are proprietary. <laughs> so flexible ways to connect and tap into a data stream, uh, but also very flexible way to model those machines in a digital way so that analytics and applications and other forms of uh, digital workflows, IT type systems can interact with what's sometimes called a digital twin of the product. So radiation therapy machine, it's got a physical nature to it. There's a control panel. But if I'm a thousand miles away and troubleshooting it remotely, I want to interact with the digital twin of that machine. And ThingWorks is really good at doing that. Now, the industrial use cases can span a fairly wide spectrum. They could be manufacturing efficiency within an automotive plant or uh, really any plant that's producing a good uh, process uh, industries like food and beverage, oil and gas, or discrete manufacturing where the output is a okay. product. Our customers happen to be mostly in that latter okay. category. Our our historical PTC customer, because of our heritage in CAD, computer-aided design, and product lifecycle management software, that's managing the bill of materials. What are the raw materials that right. make up a product so that we can we can plan for the manufacturing process? That's, that's our world at PTC. And so our customer base has been very uh, eager to adopt ThingWorks as uh, uh, their industrial IoT okay. platform. Because we understand their language, we understand the kinds of challenges that they face. Now, the ThingWorks technology is also quite applicable to other industries like oil and gas, for example. And so from a go-to-market standpoint, PTC focuses directly, our direct go-to-market and our direct sales force understand product manufacturers okay. very well in their use cases. And we have partners that OEM or co-sell with us the ThingWorks platform into those other adjacent markets where we may not, as PTC, have domain expertise, but we have applicable technology. All right. So when a customer comes uh, and reaches out to you all, um, what stage of the process are they usually in? And um, I guess, how hands-on are you in their development of a solution? Yeah. So uh, this is a very, very important topic for us. As we've seen and we being, let's call it the IoT industry uh, writ large, we've seen the evolution of IoT as a technology paradigm. And then over the last couple of years, a real, uh, real consideration towards high value use cases that are going to okay. move the needle for an enterprise organization. And sometimes this is referred to as so-called digital mm -hmm. transformation. And these are top-down initiatives led by the C-suite, very often a CDO, chief digital officer, or a CIO, and the I might be right. chief innovation right. officer or chief information officer. And this is broad-ranging, how do we get better manufacturing efficiency? How do we reduce our cost of delivering service to our customers and improve the quality of that service? And how do we change the product experience for our customers and then raise our top line revenue because we're differentiated in our respective market. So over the last two years, especially, there's been that major shift where previously, let's go back five or six years ago, we were really selling bottoms up. 
So a departmental manager who had a very bespoke problem and our flexible platform helped that manager solve that problem. Lately, it's been much more of the top-down mm -hmm. initiatives. And that's, that's very great for us because what we had been seeing as a challenge was the organizational programmatic initiative on our customer side was the direct um, KPI, if, if you will, of how successful their overall program would be. So with the right stakeholder buy-in, the right programmatic efforts, everyone nodding their heads up and down and saying, yes, we're going to do this, we're all in. That's been the major shift we've seen in our customers for the last two years. And to meet that shift, we've changed our tack just a little bit, where five years ago, we may have said, we've got a flexible platform. It can do anything you like. Why don't you figure out how to use it and see how it solves your business case? Instead, now we're being much more prescriptive. Yes, we still have a very flexible platform, but here are the top solutions that we've seen in our customer base with ROI models already mm -hmm. calculated. We see historically, if you implement a solution like this, you can achieve ROI like that. And here's how we've seen the best practices for such solutions and such programs rolling out. And that's gotten great response from our customers. Um, we're also much better now at partnering with management consulting firms and global systems integrators, folks like McKinsey, Deloitte, mm -hmm. Accenture, Wipro, Tech Mahindra, who can really help make that business case right. on our customer side and focus their efforts as they roll out the technology. Okay, great. And are you, when you're engaging with customers, uh, working with partners, engaged with customers and so forth, are you looking for a potential or a size of potential scale that um, before you would engage? Or is, are there other criteria that you guys kind of look at before you determine the kinds of projects you're looking to be involved in? Yeah, I guess we don't necessarily have a threshold in mind for... I'll just say, let's say the size of the deal. Mm -hmm. um, what we are looking for uh, is to really move the needle on our customer's business. Okay. And so that means we're looking to you know, kind of broaden the scope of the initiative. It doesn't necessarily mean broaden the scope of the first step, but having a roadmap, having a plan. And by definition, that leads us to a much more fruitful long-term engagement with our customer. So we don't need to have a number necessarily because... These activities of digital transformation programs just naturally open up the aperture on the initiative. Makes sense. Okay. Now, when you um, when you when the company you were at before got acquired and you were now involved in the PTC side of of the world and and working on the IoT front, how did you decide or kind of determine uh, the right offerings to provide to the market? Um, you know, just how, how, how are you assessing the market conditions and kind of figuring out what PTC, you know, as, as a company needs to do on the IOT front to make sure you guys are not just up to speed with what's, what's in demand, but offering the right things that your customers actually want? Yeah, great question. Um, so there were a couple of major forces, I'd say, in the last five years that helped shape uh, the strategy for how we go about IoT at PTC. The first was just maturation of the technology stack. Okay. Um, seven years ago, when I was chief architect at Exceda, the biggest challenge I needed to solve for our customers was scalability and security, technical scalability. With millions of devices across the planet, even a single customer had data volumes and requirements for scale that was just 
completely different than your standard IT workload. And so the biggest challenge on my mind was how do I get to this level of scalability? Fast forward to just a few years ago, and folks like Microsoft and Amazon Web Services have those capabilities built in. They're part of the cloud platform. So that that really helped us move our solutions for our customers up the stack, if you will. By partnering with Microsoft, for example, we have a strategic alliance with Microsoft. We're able to leverage the technology innovations from Microsoft and their position as a leading cloud provider and focus our efforts more in the problem domain of our customers. And that problem domain being, guess what? The problem domain of product manufacturers. Okay. And so our solutions now and our platform is much more focused on specific use cases. Yes, we can still do anything really, but we have pre-built functionality for doing spare parts management or calculating uh, performance metrics on a manufacturing line or for doing a a large-scale firmware update for a product manufacturer. Um, So much more specific to the challenges and, and less emphasis on the raw technology. Gotcha. Okay. Now, as you're kind of thinking forward and you're working with customers, um, kind of learning the problems they have and, and working to build these solutions, how how would you kind of suggest for a company to approach the future-proofing aspect of an IoT initiative that they are looking to undertake? So that could be um, regarding the the not just the initiative, but the implementation um, kind of around their IoT strategy. What kind of things should they be thinking about and how do you all approach that same thought process? Yeah, great question. Let me try to answer that one in the form of an anonymized anecdote, okay. which I think has been a recurring pattern. So enterprise customer um, wants to do an IoT kind of project. Let's say it's a remote service of their products. And they decide, you know, to be future-proofed, what we really want to do is have our internal teams build the infrastructure we need. They're going to, you know, write a protocol translation for our machines because who knows our machines better than us. And they're going to use commodity, off-the-shelf, raw technology. And we're future-proofed in that way because we can just keep updating that ourselves as the technology moves and evolves. So the reality was that what happens is the rest of the world starts to standardize on certain things. There are protocols now that are fairly standard. OPC UA as an example in the manufacturing world, MQTT in other areas. And so many of those would have been customers um, that maybe we lost as a customer a few years ago are are now coming back to us and saying, there's no way we can maintain this ourselves. <clears throat> we would now like to transition to using ThingWorks, and now we're involved in transition projects, helping them migrate their homegrown legacy solution okay. to a more standardized platform. So I'd say to be future-proofed, what you want to do, and this is probably good advice for really any technology initiative, not just IoT, is you want to see which way the wind is blowing and how is the market coalescing on a core set of capabilities that let's just say the technology paradigm has has dictated and you want to snap yourself onto that paradigm so snap onto the mainstream because quite frankly a product manufacturing enterprise has no business 
<laughs> um, or they, sh they shouldn't feel that they have a business in innovating a new device communication protocol. That's best left to standards bodies and vendors who specialize in communication protocols. Um, but when the IoT technology paradigm was still nascent, um, people had that idea. So I think future-proofed means being part of the mainstream movement so that you can go higher up in the stack and get yourselves faster mm -hmm. to the value and do and spend less time building plumbing. Okay. Uh, one of the things you were talking about earlier is just working with these consulting partners of yours. Um, and I think if we can talk a second about partnerships, um, I think it's probably one of the most important elements of uh, the IoT industry makeup as a whole. We talk about this a lot on the show about the fragmentation of the market and how difficult of a... Um, of an industry it is at times for new people to enter the market and try to understand how do I build an IoT solution? Where do I start? What kind of companies do I need to work with? And most companies um, are not and probably should not be doing every piece of an IoT solution themselves, bringing in people who are experts on the hardware and the connectivity and the, the cloud and the user interface, all the different pieces that are go into a solution. It's important that we have companies who are specializing in it. And I wanted to get your sense and thoughts on the importance of partnerships uh, in the IoT industry um, and what companies can be doing and, and how they can be thinking through uh, the process on how and who to partner with when they're going down this IoT journey themselves? Yeah, great question. So we have two major strategic alliances at PTC. <clears throat> the first I've already mentioned, and that's with Microsoft. And just a little bit more color there. A few years ago, as Microsoft was building their IoT technology, uh, it started to look like we were competitive in, with respect mm -hmm. to IoT platforms because the world hadn't really arrived at a definition of what's really in an IoT platform. And so, but at the same time, we had the idea that we're not really, we don't want to compete in the same areas. What we really want to do is leverage each other's mm -hmm. strengths. So we formed, formed the partnership. I spent, uh, I got myself JetBlue Mosaic status for quite a while, flying back and forth between Redmond <laughs> and Boston. <clears throat> um, and we collaborated with the Azure IoT team on, here's the reference architecture for how our technologies go together. And guess what? There was very little overlap. And so, you know, so now the lesson learned for our customers is look for the 800-pound gorillas in the technology space that have formed partnerships with each other because A, they're now much more aware of their own strengths and weaknesses, and B, well, they're partnered together. And so two vendors that are looking after the success of your, your project is, is always a good thing, especially when one of them is the size of right. Microsoft. <clears throat> and a similar story with our, our other strategic alliance, with which is Rockwell Automation. So Rockwell has tremendous uh, um, <clears throat> market, uh, market share in the industrial controller and in equipment uh, market. So think about a, any manufacturing operation, the machines that make the machines, uh, they are controlled by what's called a PLC. Rockwell has a fantastic line of PLCs and other related technologies that show up in those settings. While our customers at PTC uh, are product manufacturers and we understand their use cases okay. very well, in the factory, Rockwell had 
much more deep expertise in here's how you do a PLC schematic and layout for your manufacturing okay. line. They had much more access to those specific use cases. So by partnering with Rockwell, who also had significant software technology that, again, didn't overlap with ours, were able to bring to market together, and Rockwell brings a, <clears throat> a combined solution to market themselves based on ThingWorks called Factory Talk Innovation Suite. They have access to those customers. They understand the use cases very well, and they're able to apply PTC and Rockwell technologies uh, together. So again, the story is uh, much the same. When two vendors know enough about each other, mm -hmm. their own strengths and weaknesses, and they both understand your use case, that's a partnership that moves the needle. And I'm fond of saying, as is my CEO, uh, Jim Heppelman, many partnerships in technology are sort of paper partnerships. We say we're partnering, our logo shows up on each other's websites, we show up at conferences together. With Rockwell and Microsoft, our teams mm -hmm. really work together. We have engineers that are collaborating in offices together, writing mm -hmm. software together, bringing products to market together. Those are two true partnerships. Yeah, the doing aspect of that's very important. I think uh, to to what you just mentioned about a lot of times with the partnership, it's you know just to say you're a partner to have your logo appear on a website is 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 not really enough to move the needle um, for a company. A lot of times organizations will come to you, you know, they really are trying to build a solution. They're not just trying to, you know, get a, figure out pricing, try to just, you know, fiddle their way through the early stages. And then they, maybe down the road, they might venture down actually deploying the solution or not. But when you're choosing a partner, I think it's very important that both companies are focused on actually doing something together, uh, bringing a, a mutual customer that they can work on. And a lot of times what we've seen is, um, is is unfortunately what you mentioned, which is, you know, they put a lot of time into the paperwork, into the kind of negotiation, to the agreement part, but then they never have a mutual customer and all that time was basically wasted. So the faster people can, or partners can work together to bring a, a mutual customer into play and then build a solution together, I think the better off they're going to be. Um, so one of the questions I kind of want to follow up with that is, if you were speaking to... Um, the audience are basically giving advice on where to start. And, and I, besides saying, just go to your website, but just in like kind of a, a high level, um, do you think there's a, a piece of the IoT solution, like a component of the IoT solution that companies should start their communication? Like, should they be going looking for a platform first? Should they go talk to a systems integrator first? Should they go find the correct hardware that they think is needed and then allow those individuals to bring in other partners to help build the solution out? Like, how, what, what approach do you suggest um, that, you know, maybe people out there who are, are new to the IoT space should, should be exploring to take? Yeah, great question. So I think the first step would be educating yourself on what's the what are the um, key challenges in your business that you have an idea, at least, that IoT can help with. And then and there are some great resources on Harvard Business Review, several articles that our CEO, Jim Heppelman, has co-authored with Michael Porter from Harvard Business School that can help you orient like, well, what's this all about and why should I care? Um, from, from those general ideas, if you have a management consulting firm or a global systems integrator with a management consulting practice, that's a great place to start to really help develop the business case and that programmatic effort that I talked about earlier. So often we see POCs that are dreamt up that may be valuable POCs, but without the program might 
behind them uh, don't often scale to actually move the needle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so understanding understanding the key use cases that can be solved, understanding which ones to start with through management con- consultation. And many companies have that management strategic function right, in-house. Right, right. So you don't necessarily have to look outside your own walls, but if you don't, you should be honest <laughs> and, and seek the help. And then now you're going to have a very clear idea of what your ROI objectives are and why an IoT platform and a solution based on an IoT platform can be the fastest time to value for you. And at that point, you're really ready to engage with a vendor like PTC. Okay. And sometimes uh, our customers reach out to us directly for those first steps, which is fine. We have existing relationships with you know, tens of thousands of product manufacturers globally. Right. So we're a trusted vendor. So that, that's perfectly fine. Other times they'll start with one of our partners like Microsoft or Rockwell, who may also have a more strategic relationship already with that customer. And then other times it's a global systems integrator like a uh, Deloitte or Accenture. Okay. Um, but, but having, uh, you, you know, it's, it's certainly not a best practice to start by talking to, you know, a telecommunications firm or uh, a gateway module manufacturer. Mm-hmm. We're partnered with those folks too. We love them. <laughs> They're great. But but the domain-specific uh, insights right. is what you want to start with because so often we've seen technical proof-of-concept science projects that may be technically interesting but ultimately go nowhere right. and nobody wants right. that. Okay, great. I want to transition just a little bit into um, something we don't talk very much about on the show, which is actually the intersection of IoT into other kind of related technologies like AI, AR, and and so forth, machine learning and all that good stuff. Um, I know you all do a decent amount, especially on the um, IoT and AR front. Um, can you just talk a high level kind of what you what you all have kind of ventured down and and the, and the purpose of those initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about IoT as giving digital augmentation to a machine, Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier this concept of a digital twin, um, making an API, if you will, for a physical product. Augmented reality is like giving digital augmentation to human eyes. And so for digital artifacts, CAD drawings, uh, animations of how to perform a repair sequence, uh, many of our customers have those assets the CAD models may have been produced during their original engineering and design activities, but those artifacts don't help the repair technician. Um, so augmented reality is a great way to reuse those digital assets so that the person who's performing the activity has additional context and mm-hmm. really expert, a, a digital expert at his or her fingertips while they're performing the action. So augment, then that's even before you layer IOT back into the equation. So, I mean, how many times have you watched a YouTube video on how to do something in your car and gee, I have to look back and forth. That's the state of the art, even up up until a couple of years ago was professional repair techs also did that. When you add on top of, let's call this industrial augmented reality, on top Mm -hmm. of that, having access to the real-time data stream that you wouldn't be able to see with your eyes. So the sensor information, the environmental right, right, impact right. Of, of what's been happening on this machine, all in a hands-free mm-hmm. way, 
it really is pure magic. Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. So when you're kind of going down that path, what are some of the challenges that you've, you've come across um, across different industries using IoT and then also kind of integrating it in with, with AR technologies and AI, ML, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, with, um, well, well let, let's touch on AI because that's a, that's a good one to start with. Um, it's, uh, it's been sort of fashionable for technology media and business media to say things over the last five to 10 years that, you know, data is the new gold and really tying IOT to this idea of more data is better because we can do analytics and we can power all this AI stuff. That's absolutely true, but it only goes so far. Uh, So what we found uh, as we acquired AI technology into our stack um, the technology and the tools are necessary, but not sufficient. Okay. Because the reality is still that for, uh, for the general practitioners, uh, non-technical practitioners, especially, uh, those are very sharp tools and really geared for data scientists. So a data scientist is a person who is schooled in computer science, knows how to apply Mm -hmm. AI techniques in a computer science way, Mm -hmm. and also is then uh, educated in the problem domain. So what problem are you trying to solve? What data is available? I'll figure out the best way to make an analytical uh, assessment so that you have insight for your problem. Um, That's all great, but most of our customers don't have teams of data scientists on their teams. So our approach has been to build in the most common sets of insights that, and and this all, this all rolls down from our strategy to really nail the problem domain. So by not just building raw technology, by having purpose-built solutions for common use cases, we're able to pre-build analytical models mm-hmm. and analytical workflows that may be AI. They may be simulation um, based analytics. They may be standard um, slice and dice analytics, but we've done the 80% for our customer. Mm-hmm. So they don't need to hire teams of data scientists. And I think that's going to be the trend for AI, not just in IOT, but across the board for, for AI to really become mainstream. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, especially when we're talking about the IOT space, I mean, the data, I know it's the cliche thing to say the data is is like the new gold, but in IoT, the data is so important if it if it's be able to be understood um, and acted on by the end user. So you know the more data they collect, that's fantastic, but they don't know what to do with it or they don't know how to interpret it or you know they kind of distract themselves by thinking they need a data scientist to help them understand it, then they're not going to be in a good spot. And in order to increase adoption and um, and really to see the value of IoT to have some kind of ROI, um, they're going to need to be able to understand and interpret the data in some way or another. So the more that companies like yourself can go and make this kind of an easy thing for them. I think the sooner they're going to realize how valuable um, being able to pull data off of physical things is, uh, which is, you know, IOT. Yeah. And you know, it's not magic much like just about anything in technology. Um, You know, the tools get better. The processing gets faster. GPUs help with analytical processing. But at the end of the day, you need a technologist who understands the business problem. Uh, And so the business problem part is important. And so we've been really, really heavy on the business problem and matching the technology to fit. 
the other way around just doesn't work. No, I agree with you. Um, so as we, as we kind of wrap up here, I wanted to ask from your experiences um, at PTC in the last, just a year or so, where have you seen the most growth or I guess most adoption in the industrial IoT space? Like you can either approach this from a vertical standpoint or a use case standpoint. And then, you know, to add on to that, where do you see that growth um, happening the most probably going into this new year? Yeah, it's a great question. We we see really two main categories for our customers. The first I'll call smart connected products. So this is using IoT to make the servicing and customer experience okay. of the end product better. So this would be my radiation therapy machine in the clinic example. Um, in there, the you know it has always been the killer use case for IoT to apply remote monitoring and remote service, reducing truck rolls. I don't need to send a technician on site. I can proactively detect problems before they happen. Killer use case. The trend we're also seeing is once customers kind of get their feet wet in remote service and get some ROI on that investment, they're able to now look for revenue generation opportunities, consumables resupply, automated consumable resupply, product as a service, subscribing to the equipment rather than purchasing it as a capital expense. So those okay. are clear trends that we see ramping up. Um, so I mentioned that was one category, smart connected product. The other category is what we call smart connected operations. So this is in your factory, the machines mm -hmm. that are making your machines, the uptime of those machines, the efficiency in the way raw materials flow through the factory. IoT has been a game changer because we're able to tap into the digital signal okay. from the machines on the shop floor and track movement of goods and worker productivity in a way that couldn't be done on a paper clipboard, which is quite quite the case with literally okay. paper clipboards is the state of the art. So IoT has been making a big impact in the factory. Um, and we've sort of woken up to that opportunity in the last few years. We acquired a small company in Portland, Maine called Kepware, which has a suite of industrial protocol translators. So they were, were able to snap on to that digital signal within the factory and immediately put it to use. So it's hard for me to separate. Are, are we seeing traction there? Because we made this key acquisition and we, 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 we sort of became aware of that opportunity with our customers? Or has the world also moved into its maturation sure. along with us? I think it's probably a little of both. Now if we look into this new year that just started, um, let's remove, like, not, not just focus on industrial IoT, but just IoT as a whole as an industry. Are there any things that you're particularly looking forward to, uh, whether it's, you know, the adoption of, of different technologies or, you know, the, the, the um, maturity of different connectivity, you know, whatever it may be. Is there something that specifically stands out in your mind that you're really looking forward to that's going to kind of just help propel the industry even more forward than it has last year? Um, things that are holding okay. the industry back. Is that, yeah, is yeah. That what you're asking. Yeah, I mean, without yeah, saying five um, G, uh, yes, is the answer I get the most. It's like, oh, five G, can't wait for five G. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but that's also not. You know, five G is only you know useful in so many use cases. There's a lot of other technologies out there. A lot of people don't pay attention to, like LPWAN technologies and so forth. But just in you know, just in your mind as as a fan of IoT working in the industry, is there something that you know maybe yeah could have been holding the industry back that you think will will start to have that pressure will be relieved off of us into 2020 um, that we'll start to see more adoption across any variety of industries. 
Yeah. So from a technology perspective, um, that also affects the, sure. the business perspective. Um, I'd say it's the emergence of real standards that are are truly getting adoption. In in manufacturing, it's okay. OPC UA uh, as a standardized protocol for machine interoperability. And that makes it easier for vendors like us because we don't need to support necessarily 200 protocols. We can standardize on one. Now, it's it, it's going to take a while for that to play out. But more importantly, it's it allows these standards allow vendors who specialize in different areas to collaborate and okay. work together on a common solution. And this is also, by the way, a so partial solution to the uh, future proofing concept, which I, I, I talked about a little bit a little bit ago. So OPC UA we see has real traction. Uh, the traction is most deeply rooted right now in Europe. Um, really, the center of gravity there is the uh, um, the German Industry 4.0 initiative, and that's spreading over uh, into North America, okay. and we're very happy to see that. And then, you know, of course, I mentioned the programmatic uh, approaches and digital transformation, top-down led initiatives. Those are definitely the most impactful aspects. But from a technology perspective, it's uh, it's standardization around the common protocols so that vendors can interoperate. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I really, I don't have too many other questions. I think, you know, this has been a great episode. Talk a little bit more about what you all are doing at PTC, kind of talking about the industrial IoT space a little bit more. Um, and then putting a lot of things into perspective around the thought process that companies can kind of take upon themselves uh, when they're venturing down these IoT journeys. So I, I really appreciate your time and appreciate you being on the show today. And hopefully maybe later this year as 2020 kind of ramps up and we start to see things progress a little bit more in the industry, um, we can have you back on to kind of talk about what's going on. Oh yeah, I would love to do that, Ryan. Great questions oh, today absolutely. too. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, thank you again. And I look forward to hopefully talking to you again sometime in the future. All right. Thank you. Have a great one. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to that episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest, Joe Byron. We really enjoyed having him on the show. I enjoyed speaking with him and hopefully you all find a lot of value in the topics that we were able to discuss today. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. It helps others find it and lets us know that you're a fan, which is pretty cool for us. Um, other than that, we uh, thank you for your time. If you have any ideas or thoughts on guests that you would like to have featured on the show, please feel free to shoot us an email or connect with us on social media and we'll do everything we can to get those guests on the show. But other than that, thanks again for your time and hope you enjoy our future episodes.